0: Let the weight of your glory fall on me. Just want to stay in your presence. Just want to stay in your presence. So let the weight of your glory fall on me. I'll be changed in your glory I'll be filled in your glory I'll be free in your glory delivered in your glory so let the weight of your glory fall on me hallelujah can somebody just give him a wave in his glory we're getting ready for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Reach. We have the hand of faith, but our arms are extended because we have great expectations. Yeah, reach. As you are reaching, I just want to say this because it's time for the Word. Pastor Miles Kilby, my friend. He is married to Sister Natalie Kilby. Together they have three awesome sons together. He is the lead pastor of the River Church in Pula, Georgia. He is an excellent disciple. A true man of God, a student of the word, a teacher, a prophet, an evangelist, whatever the Lord says he will do. So if you don't mind, let's give God a hand of praise and clap offering for our guest speaker, pastor, prophet. Miles Kilby.
1: Wow. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. God bless you. Wow. What a beautiful day and a beautiful place here. I'm uh, very humbled to be here with you, I'm very honored to be here, and you know, the Bible says that if you honor a prophet, that you'll receive a prophet's reward, and um, I'm going to tell you, you want to know what a prophet's reward is? I'll tell you what a prophet's reward is. When you receive a prophet's reward, it's that you know supernaturally by the Spirit, the times and the seasons of God and the things that are coming ahead. So God will supernaturally give you insight and foreknowledge of the things to come in your life, in your family's life, in the region, the area you live in, in the country and the nation that you live in. So I just... Bless you with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. I want to thank uh, Apostle Green for inviting me to come. Thank you so much. Um, She is an excellent woman of God, as you can see. Uh, I feel like I need to go home and clean my house. This is a clean place. Amen. With three sons, that can be a challenge at times. So as she said, um, my wife, uh, Natalie, uh, she couldn't come today. She's at home with our three sons, Isaiah, Elijah, and our one-month-old Ezra. Amen. So they are, um, yes, thank you. They're great. They're a great blessing in in our lives, and we're extremely grateful for our children. You know, that's your first ministry is your family, and discipling your family, your children. So I encourage you with that. I want to talk to you a moment. Um, I was getting some stuff in the spirit while we were worshiping. Uh, who in here has a cleaning business? Is there somebody in here who has a cleaning business? That's you. Okay. Um, I want to pray for you uh, at the right time, maybe toward the end of the service. But God's about to increase and bless your business in a powerful way. Um, So, um, yeah, God is moving supernaturally on your business. It's going to increase and expand. So God's releasing his blessing on it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you a a moment about the uh, end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn with me to the book of Joel. And I'm going to start there. And I want to tell you that this is a very holy place that we're at right now. I heard the Lord say that this is holy ground. This is holy ground. So be patient with me as I get over to this scripture. Here we go. I'm going to start in Joel, the second chapter, in verse 1. It says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, And as the dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is a great and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it. To the years of many generations, a fire consumes them. A fire consumes before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like war horses, so they run with a noise as of chariots. They leap on the top of mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire, consuming the stubble like a mighty people arranged for battle. Before them the people are in anguish. All faces turn pale. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like soldiers, and they each march in line. Nor do they deviate from their pass. They do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. They rush on the city, They run on the wall, they climb into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. Before the earth quakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters his voice before his army, that's you. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. It's an awesome day, saints. And who can endure it? Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering. For the Lord your God, blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, I feel like that's what we're in right now, is a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. That's us. We're the bride of Christ. Let the priest... The Lord's ministers weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for his word. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 28, and it says, It will come to pass after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He says, I will display wonders in the sky on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Amen. I'm going to talk to you a moment about an end-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you about the days that we're living in so that you can prepare yourself to receive the new wine of the Spirit. How many know that God is pouring out new wine? There's new wine of the Spirit that He's pouring out. You know, in First Timothy chapter four, it says, But but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons but by, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be greatly, gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude or it is sanctified by means of the Word of God in prayer. Okay, we're living in a day. Let me give you this. Is that the Scripture says that the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. All flesh. Say all flesh. All flesh. 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 So I want to tell you that this is a crucial time and an hour that we're living in, that it's very important for God's people to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. I don't know who it was, but one of the sisters was up here praying and giving exhortation and giving the Scripture. Ephesians 5.18 Be ye not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be ye continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Alcohol in the natural is a substitute for the presence of God. Okay? That's why he said, do not be drunk with wine. Do not be filled with this wine. But I've called you to be filled with the wine, with the, the outpouring of the Spirit. Amen? And so, what you're seeing in our day is that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Okay? That's what's happening right now. And when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, whatever spirit that you have and the spirit that you carry will be the spirit that manifests When the Holy Spirit comes near, at the outpouring of His Spirit, at the outpouring of His glory. So in other words, either you will manifest Christ or Antichrist. Okay? And so a lot of what you're seeing through national news media and other outlets and through other things, because the Spirit of God is being poured out in the earth on all flesh the glory of god shall cover the earth as the waters covers the seas at the outpouring of the spirit of god in the day that we're living you will either manifest christ or antichrist so the people that are possessed or influenced or under the influence are those that walk in strong delusion or those that have been deceived, or those that are sitting under the teaching of deceitful spirits. The scripture says paying attention to deceitful spirits or doctrines of demons. You're influenced by an unholy spirit. Those that are influenced by the spirit of this age, okay? Those that are influenced by the, the pride of life. There are doctrines of devils that are trying to creep into the church. Whatever you listen to and give your ear to is extremely important. Because your ear is a gateway into your mind and not only that, into your soul and deep and deep down into your spirit. So every word is a seed and every seed bring forth brings forth a harvest. That's why the Apostle Paul instructed those to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. He says you every thought that is, that is ever presented in your mind, every thought that comes to you, you have to take it captive. It has to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. It has to come under submission to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the Word of God. It has to be cast out because if you don't deal with that Word, with those thoughts, they set up strongholds in your mind which are wrong belief systems. And then you have to deal with those strongholds, those false belief systems. And I want to tell you that that is the battle that we're fighting right now in the spirit. Much of it is because what is being pumped out through media and through voices, through false prophets that are given platforms on national media outlets that are spewing out hatred, and that are influenced by demonic spirits and doctrines of devils. They're spewing out information that is not from the Holy Spirit, that is not the truth of God's Word, that is not submitted to the authority of the Word of God, that is not birthed by the Holy Spirit. It is not a rhema word from the Lord. And it is deceiving the masses and people of God. We must be awake. We must be vigilant. And we must be like the sons of Issachar. We must understand the times in which we live. And the information that is being released in the earth. See it says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters covers the seas. So there is a supernatural release of knowledge in the day that we live in, that we're not living in a day of ignorance, we're living in a day of revelation, we're living in a day of knowledge, we're living in a day of glory, we're living in a day of power. And so God's people are called to have the manifold wisdom of God. We're not called to be ignorant people, we're called to be the best, we're called to be people of excellence. We're called to be people of influence. We're called to influence the nations. We're called to influence the cities that we live in. We're called to influence government. We're called to influence in all these different arenas. And what I hear the Lord that He would say to you is open your eyes. You need to see the field. It's time for you to see the field. Because the fields are white for harvest right now. And God is waiting for you to take it. He's waiting for you to take the land. He's waiting for you to glean. He's waiting for you to take what, what is out there for you. He's waiting for you to come into your inheritance. So there's an inheritance for you to take. There's businesses out there waiting for you. There's money that wants to come into your bosom. And I don't call money to myself, just to let you know. I believe that's witchcraft. And that's what high-level warlocks and witches do, is they call money to themselves. I don't have to do that because God has my portion. I just have to walk in obedience to him. Whenever you walk in obedience to God and you come into your assignment, into your purpose, God supernaturally provides everything that you need and gives you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think or imagine. And so I don't have to call out for money. I call upon the name of the Lord because he has full provision. He has everything that I need and I can bypass the money system and God will give me directly what I need. If I need a car, I say, God, I need a car. Whatever I need. And so God says, ask for what you need. Specifically. And you're asking for money. But you say, well, I need money to get this. No. You need to, if you need a car, you ask for a car. The kingdom of God works off seed time. Seed. Seed. Seed time and harvest. So whatever you sow, that's what you reap. If you sow a car, you're going to reap a car. Whatever kind of seed that you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If you sow an apple seed, you're going to reap apples. If you sow oranges, it's going to be oranges. You don't sow oranges and get apples. Amen? So there are many of you that God wants to move in your lives supernaturally. He wants to move you out of places of slavery on your job and into businesses. He wants to make you the head and not the tail. Okay? When you... My... Okay. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but um, you want to be the head, what God has called you to be. You don't want to be the tail. You serve other people, but I'll just tell you this. If you work for somebody else, you make money for them and you get a piece of it. And when you work for yourself, you work for God. You're employed by him, and God will raise your business up, and He'll bless your business, and He'll cause it to be a ministry, and He'll cause you to serve and to bless other people, and it'll be a channel of blessing. It'll be it'll be a a a a, a vehicle for you to receive wealth transfer and the blessing of God that He has for you. See, some of you 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 can't receive an increase because you're not positioned correctly to receive it. OK, there, there's blockages in the way, you know, you're under people that that are that aren't allowing you to receive it, you know. And so there's a time and a place that you can serve other people. But if you want a revelation on how to move into another level or a dimension in finance or in God. See, this is the thing about money is God wants to bless his people. He wants to give you everything that you need and even more. He has an an inheritance for you. Solomon was the richest man who ever lived on the face of the earth. But the reason why God is trying to address things like this with his people is because there is a wealth transfer And that the people of God are going to be blessed. And we're going to have everything that we need to do everything that God has called us to do. And the wealth transfer in these days, you want me to tell you what it's for? It's to reach the harvest. It's to bring in souls to the kingdom before God wraps this thing up. And guess what? You need finances and resources to do that. The church needs resources. We need resources to carry out what God has called us to do. Okay? We, we don't need to be the brokest people in the city. We need to be the city on the hill that says, Hey, we're anointed by God in business. We're anointed by God in education. We're anointed by God in arts. The hand of God is on this. Because God lacks nothing. God lacks no he doesn't lack creativity he doesn't lack sound he doesn't lack anything that is creative he doesn't he's not lacking in ideals he's not lacking on what this earth needs he's not lacking in new inventions he's not lacking in new for in new businesses poverty is a curse That Jesus died on the cross, part of what Jesus died on the cross for. And so, if you will tithe and give offerings and be faithful to God in your finances, you'll be blessed. You will. And the more that you give, the more God is going to bless you. Because there's levels in everything. Is called faith. You go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So there's levels and there's dimensions for you to grow in, in the supernatural, in the Spirit of God. Amen? The reason why I'm telling you all that is because it's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to begin to move and to... It's purpose. It's time for the people of God to be people of influence in the earth. Right now, a lot of people think that Christians don't have any credibility. And I'm going to tell you, there's a deceiving spirit that's trying to flow through politics to deceive people in thinking that whatever your political affiliation is, that that discredits or discounts you from being a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not telling you who to vote for. Okay? That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm going to tell you this, that whoever is in office God has put them there. He's allowed them to be there and sit in authority. And our job is to pray for that person and to honor them because they sit in that office. Because whatever God is doing, that's what He's doing. God is moving, He has a plan supernaturally. And I'm telling you, the reason the people of God do not understand and discern authority. And authority structures. And that's the highest office in the land. And so if you cannot honor that. Wherever you sow dishonor, you reap dishonor. And you will not, you will not prosper with that kind of attitude. Sowing hatred, discord, or anything of the like is not of the spirit of God. Your, your job and my job is to pray and intercede and stand in the gap on behalf of the land. Okay? Jesus is not a Republican. And Jesus is not a Democrat. And Jesus is not an American. Okay? And what a lot of Christians in America have tried to do is conform Jesus to their American culture. And God said, that's not kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. So quit trying to make Jesus conform to your image. Quit trying to make Jesus conform to American culture and to fit in your box of what you think it should look like. God cannot be put in a box. And He won't and He can't be contained. So you have to discern by the Spirit of God what God is doing and hear from God and quit listening to people that do not have the Holy Spirit. Because they have no credibility in God's kingdom? None. If they are not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you understand that they they are either operating by a human spirit or a demonic spirit. And unless somebody is born again by the Spirit of God, do, you, do we understand what happens then? That God actually comes and lives inside of a person. It's a great mystery. Do you know that God lives inside of you? By way of the Holy Ghost? And somebody was praying about that we shouldn't misrepresent God. And so when our actions and our words are contrary... To the one who lives inside of us. That's when you grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, the scripture talks about grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. You have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. Okay, so you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit has to do with your character. It has to do with sin. It has to do with character. Something needs to be changed. In other words, you're acting or you're, you're doing something that is causing him to grieve. Have you ever grieved? Have you ever been in grief? Do you know what that feels like? You lost a loved one? And you've grieved over that. And that's okay. There's a place for grieving. Well, that's how the Apostle Paul, that's how the Holy Spirit said he feels. He has feelings. He says, you grieve me when, this, when you do this. Or you can quench the Spirit. Now, when you quench the Spirit, the Bible clearly says... 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.19, 5.18, 5.19. Do not quench the Spirit. It's a direct commandment. Do not do this. Whenever you quench the Spirit, you cut the power off. It's like going over there and flipping the light switch off. You cut the power off. You cut Him off. So many times in churches, the Spirit will be moving. The Spirit will be moving. The Holy Ghost will be moving. But the program gets in the way of the Holy Ghost. If your program gets in the way of the Holy Ghost, you quench the Spirit. You cut Him off. You insulted the Holy Spirit, is what you did. And you said... I don't need you. I got this. There are churches that have it even written in their bylaws that they do not allow the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. They do not allow the Holy Spirit to move. They don't know God. Or they don't know the Word of God. That is a direct insult to the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something. If the Holy Spirit is not moving and flowing in your church. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if there is not supernatural activity that is birthed by the Holy Spirit. If that is not present in the church. Then I don't even know if God is visiting your church. Or in your church. And that is to be, I'm not talking about this church. I know that ain't this church. Amen. But people that do not honor the Holy Spirit, there's a judgment that's attached to that. Because you miss your day. Just like the scripture says that when Jesus came, that they missed their day of visitation. There was a judgment that was attached to them missing the time of their visitation. There's a judgment that's attached to missing the visitation of the Holy Spirit. Then what God has to do, he has to come and correct you and judge you and bring correction to your life so that you would repent and turn from your error. The judgment of God is out of love. It's so that you would get it right. It's so that you would not continue in error and go on to a path of destruction. Ananias and Sapphira, I believe they were believers, and I believe they went to heaven. I believe that God judged them right there on the scene because they lied to the Holy Ghost and got them out of the way. In other words, he didn't have any further use for them. It was time for them to go. There are ministers that get off into things that God hasn't called them to, that flow in ministries that God hasn't called them to, and some of them die because of it. God says, okay, I ain't got no, no further use for you. You ain't going to turn. You ain't going to listen. Okay, I'm just going to bring you on. That has happened. Okay. Well, you say, well, God wouldn't do that. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. In other words, are people that get off in error that are preachers. God says, I have to get you out of the way. You can't bring all this contamination and doctrines of devils into the church. But there are people that think that there's no judgment in the New Testament. There's more judgment. There's more of the judgment of God written in the New Testament than there is in the Old Testament. They just don't know the scripture. The judgment of God towards believers versus unbelievers is two different things. The judgment of God towards believers is through love and is concerning discipline and correction. Discipline and correction. You know what a disciple is? a disciplined one a disciple is a student one who has become a, dis- a disciplined one under the master that's why the christian life the the walk of a believer requires discipline it requires discipline It it requires commitments. And if you ever make a vow to God, you better better mean what you vow to Him. Amen? Amen? Judgment begins at the house of God. Judgment begins at the house of God. What God is doing right now, this wind of the Spirit that's coming upon the church, this fire that's coming upon the church, it's to clean out and purge the church. God has to send a wind through the church to blow out the chaff. God says, I have to purge you. I have to clean this thing up. And you say, oh, well, that's just the blessing of God. No, it's the judgment of God. Bringing correction to the church and blowing out everything that's not of him. So what you perceive to be, oh, such a great blessing. Well, judgment is a blessing. If you understand the judgment of God on his people. Because God judges you. God judges his people so that they will get it right. Right. And not continue to walk in error and deception. Because it's more important for you to get it right. God so loves his people. That it's very important to him. He has to give us a good spanking. Amen. So that we get with it. And so that we get it right. It's just like my two-year-old and my five-year-old. They have a bending to do what I don't want them to do. And I tell them five times, don't go that way, don't do that, quit doing that. And yet they continue to do it. That's called rebellion. And so after over and over and over, and after I tell them five times and they don't listen to their daddy, then daddy has to step in And say, okay, now I have to take you aside and I have to teach you a lesson. And it might be a little painful, but I'm going to have to give you a spanking. And I may have to send you to your room and let you think about it for a little while. So that you can learn your lesson. So that you won't continue to walk in rebellion. God is your father. And he so loves you that he will chase you down and not continue to let you to walk away from him even when you don't realize you're walking away from him. When you are deceived and you don't even know that you're wrong. And God has to convict you. The Holy Spirit has to convict you. He has to chase you down. He, he has to send out the hounds of heaven to chase you down and bring conviction on your life. And God will remind you and remind you and remind you and tap you and tap you and tap you on the shoulder. It's like He did with Jim B- who Do y'all know who Jim Baker is? Had PTL? Got in trouble? And he said before that happened that God would continually come to him and come to him and come to him and come to him. And And he'd just ignore it. God was trying to help him. In the book of Revelation, verse 2, it says that, Why do you tolerate this Jezebel in the church? I've given her an opportunity to repent. But she would not do it. God gives everyone an opportunity to repent before he has to deal with it and judge it and bring correction in their life. Why am I telling you all this? Because in the very beginning, on the day of Pentecost, at the outpouring of the Spirit, that's what happened. Because at the outpouring of the Spirit, God is going to clean up His bride. And it's not just going to be blessing and outpouring and lovey-dovey and everything's wonderful. But you'll see people fall dead. You'll see them fall dead. (laughs) And God will say, i got to take you on. i got to take you out because, you know, you're not doing what what I need you to do right now. I'm just going to bring you on home. I've got to get you out of the way because you're so stubborn and walking in such rebellion that it would be better for me to just take you on to heaven rather than you be a stumbling block in the church. say brother miles that's a hard word well that's what he did on the day of Pentecost when he poured out the Holy Ghost and Ananias and Sapphira came in oh glory Jesus hallelujah we got money we want to give it to the church we're gonna be recognized we're gonna have a plaque and all this and that God said no bam no you ain't you ain't gonna get none of this glory You're not going to get none of this glory. No flesh shall glory in his presence. And I'm going to tell you this. God told me this earlier this year. Is that when you, you will see the greatest glory in the midst of death. In the midst of death is when you will see the greatest glory. Glory. When you die to self, let me give you this word because it's a revelation. Isaiah the sixth chapter, verse one, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of His robe, Filling the temple, there it is right there. And let me tell you this, even this year, I believe that there was a greater release of the Holy Ghost and His glory in the earth when Billy Graham died earlier this year. What you have to understand just like what this scripture said in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord on his throne and the train of his robe flowed out and filled the entire temple when key leaders whether they are governmental leaders or leaders in the church Die, it is a sign that God is releasing a greater glory on the earth, especially in the body of Christ. When great generals in the body of Christ go to heaven, God when when, when their seed goes in the ground and their spirit goes to heaven. God releases. There's a release of glory in the earth. There's a release of glory on the people of God. Why? Because these, these prophecies have to be fulfilled. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord has to cover the entire earth as the waters covers the seas. So the Bible says you're going from glory unto glory. That means increase. Increase increase. You're not going backwards. For the prophets of the Old Testament, they longed to see the day that we're living in and what we're experiencing now. They didn't get to see Jesus. They saw a foreshadowing of everything that was to come. And so they longed to see. They, they didn't have the Holy, Sp- the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. Only, a, only prophets, priests, and kings had the Spirit of God on them to sit in that office and to function in that office. But they didn't have the Holy Ghost on the inside. So they longed to see it. So it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord in great death when key leaders die. God is doing something. That's what you have to understand. There's a changing of the guard. God is doing something. He's moving supernaturally. You know how I know? Because God is the one who sets every person in a position of authority. Because all authority comes from God. That's what you have to understand. You have to understand authority. People that serve in government office, you might not like them. You might not like what they say. You have to respect them and honor them. Because they sit in that office of authority. They can't sit there unless God lets them. Because all authority comes from Him. And that's according to Romans 13. If you want a scripture reference. So he says, in the year of King Uzziah's death... I saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple. And that word filled, it's, it's, the, the glory of God was continuing to fill the temple. There's a continual outpouring of his glory. How many of you want that? Hey, I want the weight of his glory. This is when Isaiah experienced death. He experienced the death of self, dying to self. Woe is me, for I am ruined. I'm undone. I'm undone, God, in your presence. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And notice there's angels all around. Apostle Green has been to my office in Brunswick. There's an angel who stands at the front door before you come in. He stands right there and he sees everything that comes in and out through the door. Everything. There's angels in here right now. There's angels all around this church, there's angels on the roof of this church. There's angels at the door. There's ushers in the Spirit. Yeah, they're here. They go with you. They protect you. They see to your needs. They minister to the heirs of salvation. And some of them are waiting for us to get up and do something. They're walking along with us, and they're like, hey, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do this thing. Let's go. Like, release it. Like, release a word in this place or something. Release the glory of the Lord or something. Wherever you go. Why? Because when those that are walking with the spirit of Antichrist try to oppose you, they're going to have to deal with him. Just like the president has secret service, I do too. Jesus said, I could call down legions of angels right now if I wanted to. Isn't that what he said? He said, I can call them right now. I can call them down right now and deal with all y'all if I wanted to. He said, but I'm not going to do that because my eyes are set on the cross. I have to accomplish this mission. This is part of what God is doing. He knew what he could do. But wisdom is knowing what to do. He had the wisdom not to do that at that moment. So, how many of you want his glory? Hallelujah. You want the weight of his glory? says in verse 6 here, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Okay. Most of the prophets in the Old Testament, God had to touch their mouth before, he, before that they could speak for him on his behalf why God had to purge their mouth so he could speak for them. If you think you're called to ministry and you don't have any fire in your bones, I'll question whether you're called. Okay? The fire, part of the purpose of the fire, the fire ignites the passion in you to be able to do what God has called you to do. So there has to be a fire inside of you when you're called. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20 and 9, if I say that I'm not going to speak any longer, all these people are persecuting me, God. I'm locked up in a dungeon now. If I say I'm not going to speak any longer on your behalf, Your word becomes like a fire shut up in my bones. I cannot contain it. He couldn't get away from it. He couldn't get away from the call. Why? Because this man's got fire in his bones. You have a passion, an inner fire and passion that burns in you, that drives you. So let me give you the purpose of the fire. We're talking about fire. We're talking about wind. The fire of God, first of all, most importantly, is to purge you of everything that is in you that is not of God. And this is why ministers need the fire of God. If you're called to ministry, you need the fire of God. You have to be purged, consecrated, and set apart. Why? Why? so there are no mixtures in you. God burns out all compromise. You have to have the fire so that you're not a compromiser. There are too many people that are walking compromise and unbelief and doubt. That's why you need the fire of God to burn all that out of you. So you need the fire of God to come on your heart, come on your soul, to cleanse you and purge you, God has to get all compromise out of you. All compromise, all unbelief, all doubt has to go. Okay? So there's a cleansing on the inside of your character, of the iniquities. The strongholds, the iniquities, you know what iniquity is? Iniquity is when you have a leaning or a bending toward walking in sin and rebellion in certain areas. It's a natural bend that you you're just, just kind of automatically do it. It's like autopilot. God has to burn that out of you. He has to cleanse you. He has to clean your character up. The way that we think, what we listen to, everything that you listen to becomes a part of you. Okay? Everything that you listen to becomes a part of you. Everything that your eyes see is stored on the hard drive of your brain. Everything that your eyes see. They could put a machine on your brain, and if you read something 20 years ago, they could pull it up on the screen. Everything that your eyes see and entertain Christian people are not called to be entertained. People that need entertainment lack the joy of God. You have to be entertained because you don't have have any joy in your life. You don't have the joy of the Lord, so you need somebody to entertain you. Preachers, Preachers are not entertainers. Preachers are called to bring people into an encounter with God. That is the main assignment of a preacher, first and foremost, is to bring the people of God into an encounter with Him. In the church, we have too many entertainers. Worshippers aren't called to be entertainers. In places where true worship has been replaced with entertainment... That's very dangerous. Okay? God has called us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so, these are all the reasons that we need the fire of God. The wind of God is blowing. He's he's blowing out the chaff. Jesus said, I'm coming for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. You ever walk out the house with a shirt that's all wrinkled up? Mm-mm. You'd be embarrassed of that. You know what a bride looks like. You remember your wedding day? How everything had to be just right, every detail. Dress had to be just right, had to be perfect. No stains on it. Hair had to be just right makeup, everything, right? Why? Because you're about to meet the bridegroom. You're about to meet your husband. This is what the church has to understand. We're married to Him. We have a covenant with God. We are married to God. We are married to Him. But some of us, we need to set our house in order. What do you do when you have visitors come to your house? You clean the whole house. You clean the bathrooms, everything. It's smelling good. And you want, you want Jesus to come visit this house. You want Jesus to come visit your house. You got to clean it up. You got to get things in order. Amen. Hallelujah. The grace of God is for you to supernaturally overcome sin. The grace of God is not a license to sin. The grace of God is not to be abused. The blood of Jesus is not to be trampled underfoot. But the grace of God supernaturally empowers us to live as overcomers. To live free from sin. Okay? So there's a false grace message that's being preached. There are false prophets that don't have the fire of God. Okay? If you're called to be a prophet and apostle, you better have some fire in you. Because you have to be a holy vessel. That's where holiness is produced. Amen? So God has to cleanse us. He has to purge us. Jesus said, I advise you, I counsel you, to buy from me gold... That has been refined by fire. Okay? We should take his advice. Don't you think? Have you ever seen how they purify gold? You know what gold is symbolic of in Scripture? Glory. The glory of God. The fire of God is a is a manifestation of God's glory. It's part of the manifestation of God's glory. It's an aspect and a dimension that comes out of the glory of God. Okay? Gold is symbolic of glory in Scripture. Can you say amen? Amen. And so he said, I advise you to buy gold for me that's been refined by fire. Now, gold that's been refined, if you've never seen how they refine gold, it has to be heated up to extremely high temperatures. I think it's like 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It may be more than that. But what happens is, is all the impurities come to the top. You have to heat it up with extreme heat for all the impurities to come to the top. And when those come to the top, It's scraped off. It's done away with. Then you bring forth pure gold. While we were worshiping, I had a vision. I saw all the people in this church wearing white. I heard the Holy Spirit say that you've washed your robes. You've washed your robes. Your robes have been made white. That's a sign of purity. And that's just what I saw in the Spirit. So I feel like I'm amongst holy people. I feel that I'm, a, I'm amongst sincere believers. Those who have made their robes white, those who have purified themselves, made their robes white. Hallelujah. I'm going to begin to minister for a minute. And we're going to pray. I think I've shared enough with you. We could stay here all day probably. Hallelujah. Did you get anything from that? Thank you, Jesus.